You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Morning, guys. Oh, man, it's good to see you guys. Um, Last week, we started our Christmas series, and I, I would love to hear from you guys, like, if, you, if you're experiencing anything or God is speaking to you through this series, like, um, my, you can get my email or drop a note back there in the box or whatever. I know many of you fasted on Tuesday of last week, and some of you fasted for the first time ever, and that, like, I was at the gym, uh, obviously, but I was at the gym... <laughs> I think that kind of goes without saying, but I was, I was in there, I guess it was Tuesday morning or Monday morning, and I ran into a teenager, I'm not going to say his name because it would embarrass him, but a 17-year-old kid who goes to this church, and uh, he was in there working out before he went to school, and he comes up to me and he's like, hey man, uh, what should I eat before the fast starts? And I was like, God, you're so good. I mean, there's a 17-year-old boy in the gym contemplating a fast. I mean, I was like, if I had been there when I was 17, my parents would have so much less gray hair than they have... I mean, if, I, if I'd been that guy at 17, it was like, man, that's cool, right? And so some of you did this for the first time, and I would love to hear from you. Um, we, we prayed over the, these questions that we're going to go back over today. Uh, many of you read Matthew chapter 1 through 5, and, and don't worry if you missed out. There's going to be new opportunities this week. So uh, I know you're all thrilled about that. So we got these three questions that we're going over, and, and they may be on the screen. The first one is, what do you believe about Christmas? What do you believe? What is it you believe about Christ coming into the world? What do you believe about Christ coming into your world? And the second question is, will your life bear witness? Another good word is does. Does your life or will your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? And then the third question is, do you really want Christ in your Christmas? And these are fair questions because our belief in God has to be different than our belief in other things. Belief in God is not about an intellectual acknowledgement that there is a God. Now, that's a good place to start, but it's got to go beyond that. Remember, I have an intellectual acknowledgement that there is a planet Saturn, right? I believe there's a planet called Saturn. That's an intellectual acknowledgement. But there has to be something that goes beyond that to actually doing something in your life. I love the way Jesus' half-brother James expresses this idea. It's in James 2.14, and it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. But believe, but I love this. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So, I mean, and I don't think what James is not saying is that actions save you. He's not saying that. He's saying it's faith in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what saves us. But if you believe that, if you have faith in that, that should be evidenced by your actions. And if there is no action, then do you really have the faith? And so I think we have to ask ourselves, what do we believe? Like, when you believe something so passionate that it actually changed your life, I, let me, like, one of the things I've seen, I saw it again this week, and I promise you guys I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad about this or whatever, but I've seen on Facebook lately, like, someone will say, 
Um, the, I have a friend who needs uh, a lawnmower. I'm just making up the most random thing I can to make sure I don't actually address exactly what was said and don't embarrass any of you. Uh, but it said, I have a friend who needs a lawnmower. And what I see people do is tag Grace Church in that. They're like, oh, call Grace Church, call Grace Church. If you believe that friend needs a lawnmower, give them yours. Don't tag that you are the church. Like I've seen, you know, these people need food. Okay, well, tag Grace Church. No, you're Grace Church. And so if you call me and say, can the church help this person? The first thing I'm going to say is absolutely you can. <laughs> the church can help that person without a doubt. Now, if you don't have the resources, we'll back you up. But first, what are you willing to do? Because if you believe passionately that that person needs food, you should believe more than it's my job to give it to them. Be the church. Okay, that was a non-related thing, really, honestly. I kind of had to find a way to work that in. But second question is, do my life bear witness to what I claim to believe, right? Does my life bear witness? Is an intellectual assumption is not enough. And then this third thing is, do I really want Christ in my Christmas? Because if he shows up, he's going to complicate things a little bit. If he shows up, He's going to take over. If he shows up, he's going to share his opinion with you. He's not that just pleasant roommate who just sits there silently and pays rent. If he shows up, he's going to speak and he's going to expect that you listen. And so what we're doing in this series is going over uh, some, some of what the other famous Christians believed and then asking ourselves, do we believe what they believe? And last week, I hope you guys read Matthew. Many of you did. You read Matthew chapter 1 through 5. And chapter 5 of Matthew is quite possibly one of the most beautiful chapters of the entire Bible, and it's one we should read on a very regular basis. Um, but let, let's see what Matthew thinks, what Matthew believes, and then how do we live out that belief if we believe it too? Matthew 1.1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Okay, now this is going to go on for a long time. And so I'm going to skip down to verse 16, okay? You can go back and read the other ones. I know we will. Verse 16, and Jacob the father of Joseph and the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Why is Matthew telling us this? Well, what, what, I mean, this is almost like showing up at someone's house and they, and they get out their family album. They say, oh, I did a genealogy tree. Do you want to see it? I traced my ancestry all the way back to the beginning. Are you curious? And you're like, no, of course I'm not. Right? I mean, so but why, is, why would Matthew tell us this? Why is this important enough? Matthew only has a few pages in the Bible. He only takes up a little space. Why would this genealogy be so important? And I think it goes back to something that God said to Abraham in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, uh, this is verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God made a promise to Abraham. 42 generations before Jesus, God makes a promise to Abraham. And God says, from you, from, from your lineage, from your family, I am going to bless the entire world. And then all these years later, Matthew writes this. Matthew, who, by the way, is a Jew, writing to a Jewish audience about the fulfillment of a 42-generation-year-old Jewish prophecy. 
So, so what, what do we learn? What, why do, what does Matthew want us to catch this? What does Matthew want us to see? Matthew wants us to see that God kept his promise, right? And so I think we can take this a step further. I think what Matthew believes, and I think what God is asking us to believe, is that God is a promise keeper. I think, I think we can see this in this first chapter of Matthew, that God is a promise keeper. So my question for you and my question for me is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Does your life bear witness that you believe that? Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Because if we believed God was a promise keeper, what would our life look like? And let me ask you this. Do you, is, do you kind of believe he's a promise keeper, but maybe not 100%? You ever believed in one of God's promises but kind of hedged your bet just a little bit? You ever done that? Oh, God, I know you will provide for my family, but I'm still not going to give because I truly believe that I'm a better provider than you. God, I know, I know you've empowered me to serve, and I know you could, but I'm not going to serve on that because it's not really exactly what I want to do. You ever kind of hedged your bet even though you, I mean, you trust God. You trust him. I remember one of my, a guy who, who goes to this church, and he's a friend of mine, so I'll make fun of him. He said, um, I believe God for my eternity, but I don't believe him for my today. Right? I believe he'll provide heaven for me but I don't believe he'll provide lunch. <laughs> don't so many of us live in that space? And we trust God for the big things. But do you trust God with your spare time? Do you trust him with your hobby? I mean, I, I think, I think there, one, of the, one of the ways we can live out this God is a, is a promise keeper is there can be some things that are completely settled in us. Like you're forgiven. There has to be a point where you believe that's settled in you. Otherwise, you keep going back to the same old life. You have to believe that God wants better for you. You have to believe that God can be better trusted with your time and your resources than you can. You have to believe. There, there has to be some things settled in us if we believe that God is a promise keeper. But here's our challenge. Y'all got your pens ready? Get ready. Pencils, quills, however you write, phones. I don't, here's the promise. For seven days, if you believe that God is a promise keeper, and if you believe that your life should bear witness to that, and if you really want Christ your Christ for seven days, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm going to do it too. Make a promise and keep it. Have y'all ever said, oh, God, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes a day every day for this week? And you made day one, man, you're in it. You're like, oh, God, I love you so much. And day two, you're in it for about four minutes. And day three, there's a football game on. And day four, there's a sale at the outlet mall. And I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, God, I'll tell you what, instead of doing 15 minutes a day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get to the last day. I'm going to do like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Y'all ever been there? So make a promise to God and keep it. And here's the kicker. Tell somebody else about it so that there's accountability in your life. Or maybe even this, make a promise to someone else and keep it. One of, one of the, I think, I think one of the worst witnesses a Christian can be in the world is someone who does not keep their word. And we've all been there. But if you say you're going to do something, you never do it. Man, that's a poor witness to God because God is a promise keeper. And so make a, prom make a promise to your spouse. Say, you know, I'm going to pray for you every day for seven days. Now, don't pray, God, I they better change their attitude, you know. <laughs> don't do that. God, make them into the man I know they can be. <laughs> Just pray for them. Like, maybe you tell, maybe you, tell uh, you know, your kid, hey, listen, I know I've been super busy with work. For the next seven evenings, I want to spend 20 minutes with you just going over the Christmas story. And then do not let anything get between you and that promise. Whatever promise you make to whoever you make it, nothing 
comes between you and that promise. Because I can promise you this, nothing came between God and the promise he made us. And he could have walked away. And if you look at my life, he probably should have walked away. But he didn't. Why? Because our God is a promise keeper. Make a promise. Set, and don't, it can't be like, you know, I'm going to watch reruns of The Office every day. That's too easy. It's got to be something with a little challenge. All right. Here's the next one. Matthew 1, uh, 20, uh, Matthew 1, 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from the Roman Empire, right? Because he will save the people from, you know, a bad day. Because he will save the people and make sure that they all have health, wealth, and prosperity, right? Because he will save the people from what? Their sins. So what does Matthew believe that the king of the world took on flesh and came into the world to save us from? It's one word. What's he, what did he come to save us from? Sin. Sin. Now, I think many of us choose Jesus because we want God to save our marriage, because we want God to save us from this addiction, because we want God to save our job. And none of those things are bad. But Matthew believed the primary reason that Jesus came into the world was to save the people from their sins. Do you believe that? Does your life bear witness to that? Does your life bear witness to the fact that you believe that the primary reason that God went through all of this trouble was so that you could live free from sin? Or do you believe that he went through all that trouble so he could excuse our sin so that we could just continue to live free under whatever we wanted to do? Because we've all got a little something we're still holding on to, right? We all got a little something. On the count of three, let's all say what it is. I'm kidding. One, two, three. Ah. But, but, I mean, do you believe that the king of the world can free you from sin? Even fun sin, even good sin, sin you like. Can the king of the world free you from the desire to desire sin? Does your life bear witness to it? Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Because if he shows up in this area, what if he does take it? Remember, remember the question last week when Jesus encountered that guy who was laying? Remember what he said? He said, do you want to get better? I think this is where God occasionally steps into my life and says, I hear you, but do you really want to get better, Tommy? And if you do, here's the challenge. This is an easy one. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, and let me say this before I get to the challenge. Maybe you're one of the people in the room who, who is having a hard time thinking of your sin. Um, <laughs> And I get that. There's really good people in, in here. I mean, some. So, like, I, th I think maybe you're one of the people in here who's like, you know, man, I just, I know you got stuff, Pastor, but I, I don't know. Let me give you a few suggestions of things you might consider <laughs> as possibilities of things. Pride, uh, vanity. Here's a good one. How about gossip? I know you're sinless. And I know you're just trying to start the prayer chain when you talk behind their back, <laughs> right? But what, what about talking about people when they're not around? I think we should all probably be a little convicted of this one. What about judging people based on their political opinion? I'm pretty sure judgment's in there frequently. What about impatience? What about not listening? What about just always talking and never listening to anyone? 
Can you find something? If not, I'd, I'd like to make another suggestion. Ask the people around you what you should work on. <laughs> They'll typically have a pretty good idea for you. Um, so here's the challenge, all right? For seven days. For seven, and, and, and be careful with this one, guys. Be really, really careful with this one because do you want Christ in your Christmas? For seven days, open your heart to God about the sin in your heart. For seven days, we have a conversation with God that starts like this. Search me and know my heart, O oh Lord. Is there any wrong thing in me? And then say, give me clean hands and a pure heart. For seven days, will you open your heart to God to truly examine your heart? Now, now here, here's some side effects. You may not get to watch that show anymore. Uh, you, you, you may have to, well, well, we'll get to the side effects next one, actually. That'll be better. For seven days, will you open your heart to God? And he already knows, so it's not like, he, you know, he's not, oh, I had no idea you were suffering with that. Will you open your heart to God and have conversations with him about the sin in your heart? Matthew 2, 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen over it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, this, this, this is good. This is probably, the, when I was writing this one, this was the one that I was most excited about because this is the one where I've probably struggled the most. First off, who are the Magi? What's another name for the Magi? No, it's actually Dave, Bert, and Ernie, right? The Magi are the wise men, right? The Magi are the wise men. And so, so it says they encounter Jesus, and they're going through all these things. And, and Herod says, tell me, oh, when you get to them, come back and tell me about Jesus so that I can go and worship him. Well, anyone who's read the story, what's Herod really want to do? Kill him. Matter of fact, y'all remember in Revelation, the whole dragon with the blah, blah, blah. This is Herod is sort of the tool of the enemy, and he's trying to kill the baby Jesus. And so the wise men, they're like, hold on, I don't really think that's what Herod wants to do. And so something happens. And then we see when they, when they encounter Jesus, when they first encounter him, it says they do a couple of things. It says they bow down and they worship him. We could do a whole sermon right there. You encounter Jesus where you bow down and worship him. Um, but but I, I, I want to go a different direction today because what I really want is in verse 12. In verse 12, I don't think it's on the screen, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another route. You know what I, I believe made these guys wise? Is after they encountered Jesus, they didn't go back the way they came. After they encountered Jesus, they went a different direction. They physically went a different direction. And like, th 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 this is where it gets me, and I can almost guarantee it gets you. For seven days, we're going to open up our heart to God about the sin in our lives. For seven days, we're going to talk to God about sin. Uh, but let's say the sin in my life is, is when I'm alone in my house and, and I have my computer, I watch things I shouldn't watch. Let's say that's my sin. And so for seven days, I'm going to open my heart to God about the sin. 
But what if I continue to do the exact same thing and to go to the same spot in my house alone and open the same computer? If I keep going the same direction, the sin's never going to change. Sometimes you have, to, you have to not only make a decision to deal with the sin in your home, you have to physically go a different direction. You have to physically not drive by that fast food restaurant. You have to physically not drive by that store. You have to physically not get alone in your house. You have to not watch that show. You have to not listen to that song. You have to not make that call. You have to physically go a different direction or you will spiritually end up right back where you were. How many of us know this? And why do we all know it? Because we've done it. Everyone is like, God, oh, man. I really want to. I really want to quit. You know, I really want to quit smoking that or whatever. But I'm just. I'm going to keep this one in my pocket. I had a friend. This is a true story. I had a friend in high school tell me he wanted to get off cocaine, but he was always going to keep a hit on him just to remind himself of how much he hated it. And I was like, Hey, listen, bro, I'm no drug. <laughs> I'm no expert on getting off this stuff, but I got a good feeling that ain't the key to victory. Right? I mean, you might have to actually do something different to experience something different. So guess what the challenge is? For seven days, will you go a different direction? Will you go a different direction? Again, if you know driving by that creates that desire in you, will you drive another way, even if it's out of your way? If you know watching that show leads you to a place in your mind where you don't need to be, will you not watch that show? We put have someone who you trust put child locks on your phone. In a, download Covenant Eyes if you're dealing with pornography or so. Download Covenant Eyes, and make me your Covenant Eye partner, and it will send me an email of every website you go to. And if that's not enough for you, make your mom your Covenant partner. I promise you, you will not surf porn on your phone. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, may, maybe you know that occasionally this time of year you drink a little more than you should at some of the parties. Either don't go to the party or don't have that first one. I have found in my life it is impossible for me to drink six if I don't have one. What is it for you? What is it for you? Do you know that when you're going to go into that store, you're going to overspend, you're going to rack up debt you don't really have? Don't go in the store. Or be accountable. Have someone withdraw cash for your Christmas shopping and hand it to you so that you have a set amount of money. What, what is it? Will you go a different direction? Will you do something different than what you've done before? What do you believe, guys? What do you believe? Will your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? Do you really, really, really? And as, as I write these, I'm just sitting in my office going, I don't know. Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Because if he shows up, he's going to take over. And so here, here, here's the five challenges for this week. And you're like, there's only three last week. I know it's getting harder. So what? <laughs> the first challenge is make a promise and keep it. The second one is have a conversation about sin. The third one is change your direction. And we're, we're going to go into Luke next week. So the next one is read Luke 1 through 3. And then the fifth one is Fast Tuesday. Sunrise to sunset. Um, if y'all want to take a picture of this, you can, but we can probably get a, one that's not overlaid over this thing <laughs> later on. <laughs> you know why we're doing so much stuff right now, why there's so many things? Because it is so easy to get lost this time of year. 
I think one of the things you find with your children is if you fill their time with something positive, it's much more difficult for them to stray to something they shouldn't be doing. Y'all ever heard the idle hands or the devil's workshop? The more I believe that we can keep Christ in front of us right now, the better off we'll be. The more we'll represent Christ this Christmas. What do you believe? Will your life bear witness? Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.